Ruth chapter number 3. It's so good to be in God's house tonight. I'm glad I'm saved. Glad I'm born again on my way to heaven. I got mine on mute, so it won't do that. So that might be a good idea for you to do that, put it on mute. But anyway, it's good to be in God's house tonight. Ruth chapter number 3, and we have been trying plowing slowly but surely through the book of Ruth. And, uh, and, that's, and that's okay. If it takes us uh, forever to get through it, it's all right. And, uh, and so uh, this has been such a blessed book. And, and, and I've, got a, I've got a bad habit in my preaching uh, to recap up until this moment. But I can't do that. But, uh, but in root chapter number one, Amen. Ruth chapter number one, she comes out of out of Moab. And she follows Naomi. Now, now you understand, Naomi's disgruntled. She's discouraged. She's defeated. She's lost a lot. And we preached about those things months ago. And she's lost a lot in Moab. Naomi basically, she comes out of there and says, don't call me Myra. She said, she said call me Myra instead of Naomi, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. She came out uh, very... Uh, uh, she went out, went to Moab full, but she came out very empty. She's she's brokenhearted. She's she's bitter. She's envy. She's got a lot of uh, a lot of things going on in her heart. But anyway, uh, Ruth, her daughter-in-law, comes with her. Of course, in Ruth chapter two, we see her. We preached about these things about her being in the field of grace throughout the entire chapter of of Ruth chapter number two. And there's a lot that could be said there, but. But the main thing, she caught the attention. She caught the eye of, of Boaz. Boaz in Ruth chapter number 2, verse number 1, the Bible says that Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of a family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Boaz is a picture of the type of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you see, as we go further into the book, particularly chapter 4, you'll see that Ruth is a type of the church where Boaz took a Gentile bride, Jesus Christ uh, took uh, a Gentile bride as well. And so Boaz is a type of Christ. He's a related man of Ruth chapter 2 verse 1. He's a rich man, Ruth chapter 2 verse 1. And he's a respected man, Ruth chapter 2 verse 1 and 4. And so she's been doing a lot of laboring. She's been doing a lot of living. She's been doing a lot of working. And she's been doing a lot of serving. And she's been... Greatly rewarded in chapter 4, she'll even be more rewarded. But here we come to Ruth chapter number 3. As you know from previous messages, she came, she got in that field of grace, and she got grace beyond grace and more grace. Handfuls on purpose, gleaning among the sheaves. Don't just have to stay in the corners. You can go down right down the middle of the field, Ruth, get all you want. And take all you can. And she took, she took like 25 pounds of barley back to the house that day. I mean, she's tired, but she's excited. She's worn down, but she sees God's blessing and God's provision. And no doubt, uh, everybody saw the blessing and the extra that Boaz gave to her. And what a testimony. We preached the last time Boaz is being used at the end of Ruth chapter 2 for redemption. He's also being used in the life of Naomi for revival. And he's been also being used for a refreshment, a refreshing time in the life of Naomi and Ruth. And I tell you, Jesus Christ 
Amen. Jesus Christ is the one for redemption. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You don't get redeemed by the H2O, by the water in the baptistry. You don't get redeemed by the Ten Commandments. You don't get redeemed by helping little old ladies cross the street. Are we okay tonight? We don't get redeemed by doing good. We don't get redeemed by keeping the golden rule. We don't get redeemed by the good things that we have done. But the, that book says but we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We have redemption. We have salvation. We have generation. We have all those things through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The old songwriter had it right. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And Boaz, Jesus Christ, uh, Boaz is a picture of Jesus Christ, and therefore he brings redemption, and he can bring revival, and he can bring refresh, refreshing times as well. And I want, you, I want us to say this right before I read a little bit in chapter 3. You've got to understand the makeup now of Naomi. She's got her eyes a little bit open. She's got her strength coming back as a widow woman. She's, uh, she's, God has reached down and starting to revive her and rekindle her. And uh, the last time she spoke, she was bitter. And then, uh, then at the end of chapter 2, she started talking to Ruth about the blessing of God. And so nothing will revive your heart. Nothing will bring, uh, turn doubt and discouragement into victory and winning like just bragging on the Lord, lifting up the Lord, and exalting the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's where she's at. The revival fires is stirring in Naomi. Now look at chapter 3, verse number 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of your kindred, of whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he went with Barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore and anoint thee and put thy raiment upon thee and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, talking about Boaz now, until he shall have been done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down Thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. And thou shalt go in and uncover his feet. Well, I like that. If you followed my teaching in Sunday school last year, you know that rings a bell down in my heart. And uncover his feet and lay thee down. And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, now it doesn't say he was drunken, okay? He just, he, whatever he drank, he drank a lot of it. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. She came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself. And behold, a woman 
lay at his feet. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, tonight to get what we need from some of these verses tonight. Lord, I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts. Lord, if there's anybody here tonight that doesn't know Christ and the free pardon of sin, Lord, I pray they would repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Pray you'd be with God's people. Strengthen them. Be with our pastor, Lord, as he's already probably preaching. Lord, I pray that you continue to use him. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. There's so many directions in these few verses I can go. Probably won't get through the the eight verses. But um, they Ruth has been working a lot. She came out of Moab as a widow. She went into that field laboring and working. And she's been laboring and working now for several months. Uh, Naomi, no doubt, is up in years. She's doing the best she can of taking things care at home. But she's apparently not able to do the work and the labor that Ruth can do. And she's been out there in that field. She's been gleaning. She's been in the barley harvest. She's been in the wheat harvest. And every day, and I don't know how much of it, but that first day was a great success. And I'm sure the days that followed were continued to be a great success. And as she has been laboring now for days and weeks and months, and the barley and the wheat harvest, all of that has been harvested, and now it has to be threshed. Now it has to be winnieth. It has to be, the chaff has to be separated from the wheat, if you will. And that's what Boaz is doing. Matter of fact, uh, biblical historians tell us this was a huge family involvement. Uh, the workers would bring the wheat in, would bring the sheaves in, and it would be a lot to it. And of course, they knew Boaz was a, a rich man. They knew he was an entrepreneur. They knew he was a, a wealthy man. And so he had a lot of land, a lot of servants, and a lot of harvest. So there is, a, there is thieves waiting in the, in the wings to, for these men to go to sleep at night after they've done this hard work and they've got all this wheat piled up that they have threshed and separated the chaff from the wheat. And you see that Boaz is asleep and he's got his head on that wheat. And the reason why he has to do that is because, uh, number one, he don't want to get the feet in the wheat. Hey Amen. And, 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 and two, uh, he doesn't, he's looking out for thieves as well. And so I, I, this is not a passage of scripture that some would, would even uh, commentate on. This is not an immoral passage of scripture, not in the least imagination. This is not Boaz out in the middle of a field somewhere all by himself with his head up against some wheat, and he's just the only one there in the darkness. Uh, there are servants around. They're leaning up against their wheat as well, and they're asleep. Uh, there's some, uh, probably some, uh, with some uh, speculation, there's probably other ladies just asleep. There's children that was a part of that. And, and it, it also became a, a festival time, thrashing the weed, and, and um, an exciting time as well. And so, so no, uh, Naomi knows all of this. So she comes to Ruth 
And you can just use your mind just for a moment that every day that Ruth has been coming in and talking to Naomi, I mean, just day after day, week after week, month after month, it was just a short period of time. There's no, no doubt across the table from Ruth and Naomi, there was plenty of talk about Boaz. He's a good man, Ruth. He's a, he's a, he's a godly man. Yeah, he's, he's a Limelech's kinsman. Ruth, you know, if you could align yourself up with his thinking and his way of living, and if you can just keep getting his attention on you, um, there's just all kinds of conversations you can see. You can see Naomi meeting at the door. Did Boaz talk to you today, Ruth? Well, he did. He gave me some more of that parched corn. Yeah, and you're bringing in more of that wheat. Than you. Is he still throwing some down on purpose? He is. Are they still letting you get from the sheaves? He is. He's still good to me, Naomi. And so Naomi has all that in her mind. She's put all that together. She knows how serious it is now that the harvest is over. Because here's the thing. The harvest being over, the supply for Ruth has run out. The, the future can start looking a little bit dark for Ruth once again. I don't think Naomi is looking out for her own neck. I, I don't think she's there. But I think where Naomi is, she has basically lived her life. And she sees her daughter-in-law, who no doubt is a young widow lady, and she wants to invest her thoughts, she wants to invest her time, and she wants to make sure that Ruth is going to be able to live a good, strong, successful, uh, God-honoring life. So Naomi begins to talk to Ruth. She says in verse 1, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee? You see, this rest that she was talking about is not going to the couch and just watching television and staying on the, on the, on the couch and doing nothing and just or relaxing in the hammock in the, in the cool of the day. Uh, that wasn't the type of rest she was wanting for Ruth. She was wanting a rest of where she can get basically married to Boaz. Uh, a, a rest that would bring uh, a surety. A rest that would bring a, um, a security. A rest that would bring a settlement. A rest that would be a state of well-being. Matter of fact, that's what the word rest means. An absence of movement, being settled, state of well-being, security, a place to settle down, a home that she can, a place that she can call home. And that's what Naomi is wanting for Ruth, is a place of, of uh, security and safety and surety and substance where she wouldn't have to worry about much for the rest of her life. And, but also be with a man that's God-fearing and Christ-honoring and has the great uh, respect and reputation as a man like Boaz. I don't know how far I'm going to get in the message tonight, but let me say this. Naomi is, is helping Ruth to go after her helpmate. Now, that's a strange thing. Ruth has been married before. She's a widow lady. And of course, Naomi's been married before and had children. And she's a widow lady as well. And... Let me say this tonight. It's, it's hard for me to not to comment on this. 
But wherever you are in your life, and I'm talking about if you're single, or I'm talking about if you found yourself divorced, and you're by yourself, let me say to you tonight, whether you're a young person, a middle-aged person, or an older person, if you ever get involved of taking a liking to someone else for marriage, I'm talking about Adam and Eve kind of stuff. I'm not talking about Adam and Steve kind of stuff. Y'all with me? Okay. And I don't want to jump on that because I got to preach. Something. I got to get in something else. But if you are start looking, especially young men, young ladies, you start looking at the opposite, and you start looking at each other. I'm going to tell you something. It is good for you to get good, godly, sound advice and direction in that process. Listen, listen, I I don't care how many times you've been married. I don't care if you've never been married. If you find yourself single and you're going down that path of trying to find a helpmate, hey, listen, listen to me. Please, by the grace of God, surround your people with some good, godly advice. This going, this getting our, uh, getting our marriage, um, advice off of television is, it's not going to work. Getting your marriage advice from the, from, from Dr. Phil, it's not going to work. Well, you know, you know, you know, that ain't going to work. You, you don't need to listen to old Dr. Phil. What's somebody say, man? And you don't need to listen to them ladies that just, Quack like cackling hens every morning called the view. Amen. They're crippled too high for crutches. Amen. They're full of devils. They need to be saved, amen. Need to be born again. Every one of them. Amen. You say stuff like that and it gets tight in here. Why is that? Amen. We, we say born again Bible believers, aren't we? But anyway, I'm telling you, the world, the news, the... This crowd has nothing for us that's good and wholesome and godly when it says to find a mate. And so here is Ruth. Uh, she's she's, ta- she's taking a shine to Boaz. That's an old-fashioned word, isn't it? She's took a shine to Boaz, and Boaz taking a shine to her. And now Ruth, you know, it's like Ruth, she doesn't know what to do next. And so Naomi, where she's getting this revival in her life, and she's starting to see light, she's starting to see help, she's starting to see hope. She's like, hey Ruth, let me give you some counsel. And I'm telling you, Ruth listened to that counsel. And that book tells us in the book of Proverbs that there is safety in the multitude of counseling and listen to me young people and I know I might be preaching to the choir there may not be a lot of young people in here but I'm telling you listen to me young men listen to me young ladies listen to me if if, if, if whatever stage you're in you find yourself single you need to seek out some good golly counsel and advice when it comes to that you know something young people now, I know there's more young people in here besides what's here, but you guys are a good target. You know something, young people? You should start, number one, with your parents. If you've got a set of parents that love the Lord, read their Bible, pray, come to church, amen, amen, when you start down that 
dating road or courtship road, whatever you want to call it, you need to have your parents involved. Now, you're not going to hear that at the public school. You're probably not going to hear that at the Christian school. But I'm telling you, that's that's a Bible principle and a Bible example all through scriptures where parents were involved. Now, I'm not part of this where you have to pick out somebody else's maid and, and all that kind of stuff and prearranged marriages. But I'm telling you, you're to be concerned, young people. You're to be concerned, single person. Hey, what does mom and dad have to say about it? And here's another thing. Hey, not just what mom and dad thinks about it. Hey, man. Hey, what does your pastor think about it? Amen. Instead of trying to get this smooth going on, are y'all listening? Are y'all listening? Instead of trying to get this smooth and suave behavior going on, where you just try to get her or him off somewhere in a room, down the hallway, back alley, behind the church, out in the parking lot. Hey, before you start down that road, you might want to go up to a parent. And say, hey, what do you think about so-and-so? And if your mom and dad says, hey, that's no good, that's, that's bad, hey, there's red flags there, hey, you don't even think another thought about it, you listen to good, godly advice and it'll help you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And if mom and dad says, well, I don't know, then the next step would be, hey, let's go talk to the preacher. See what the preacher says. See what the man of God has to say about this person that I might be looking at and eyeballing. And before I get my heart sold off into this, I'm going to get me some help and get me some counsel. You know, that'll save you from, I'm not saying that's foolproof, but that will save you from some heartache. Listen, I've taught my children and I've told my daughter in recent days and months and years, it's better to want something that you don't have. Like a saved, born again spouse. Loves God, serves God, comes to church, worships and prays and and spends time with God, godly, etc., etc. It's better to want something that you don't have than to have something that you don't want. Amen? But I'm just saying, Naomi is given this lady, though she's an adult, though she's been married before, she has given Ruth some good, solid, sound advice. And you know what Ruth is doing? Ruth is listening. Because she knows she needs some hope. She knows she needs some help. She knows, you know, she don't know. She, I mean, she's, she's a proselyte into the nation of Israel. She don't have all the access to all the Jewish young men or, or the middle-aged men, whatever they are. She doesn't have all that access to all of that. And here's Boaz. Here's a, a, a man full of character, a man that's re, uh, related to her husband, a man that's a rich man, a respected man, an honorable man, if you will. And she's trying to listen to Naomi. And she says, My daughter, should I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? Well, it's easy for me to do this. But I want you to look down. She tells him, and we're, we're going to come back. We'll revisit this passage again. 
But she tells him, she tells her that you need to get to the feet of Boaz. And I don't know what your trouble is tonight. But I know where the help is. I don't know what's hindering you tonight. But I know where the help is. I don't know what's burdening you down tonight. But I know where the help is. I don't know the problems that's went awry in your life. But I know where the help is. I don't know where the wrong turns you have made have, have got you to. Or got you into. But I know where the help is. I don't know uh, where you are tonight. You might be looking at darkness. You might cannot see the light. There's no hope. There's no help. It seems like there's no way out. But I'll tell you something. I know where the one that can give you help. I know one that can give you hope. And that's at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, somebody said that Old Testament has the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is an Old Testament revealed. And I'm telling you right here, you see a picture of the church through Ruth at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ through Boaz. And over in our New Testament, we have over nine people in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have over nine people that got to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ during His ministry. And let me say to you, all of these people, at one time or another, they came to the Lord, they got at His feet, they had no hope, they had no help, they had no way out. Some was in dire situations, in dire straight ways. But every one of these people, and every one of these people that got to the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament, every one of them walked away exactly what they needed and with the help that they needed. So Naomi's trying to tell Ruth, Ruth, I got the answer for you. It's right before your eyes. You have gotten to know this Boaz. He's gotten to know you. He has served you. He has fed you. He has done things for you in a very publicly way. Nothing hid, nothing behind closed doors. And she says, what you need to do is you need to get to his feet. You see, why would Naomi, not everybody in Scripture was told to do such a thing. Why would Naomi tell Ruth that you need to get to the feet of Boaz? Because when you study being at the feet of someone in Scripture, it it brings several things. It brings a lot of things. Being at the feet of Jesus is the biggest one that I can direct you to. But being at the feet of Jesus brings direction. Ruth no doubt needed some direction in her life. So she needed to get at this man's feet that could, could, could give her direction. Matter of fact, when he awoke from his sleep, he said, what do you want? He was a perfect gentleman. He wasn't trying to take advantage of her. He wasn't trying to do anything off-colored or, or strange. He said, what do you want, Ruth? And immediately she began to tell him, I need some direction. And, um, and she said, I need some guidance. And I need some help. And, um, and, 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 and she said, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. 
And, and, and he says in verse 9, we didn't read it. Spread therefore thy skirt over thy hand made for thou art a near kinsman. She was wanting his blessing upon her. And he knew that meant for marriage as well. She was trying to find some direction. Been at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can find some direction. Been at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ is also a place of servant. I'll give you some examples in a moment. It's also a place of humility. It's a place of surrender. It's a place of getting clean. It's a place of love. It's a place of forgiveness. It's a place of rest. Let me give you some examples of some New Testament examples. The Bible teaches us there's too much scripture for all of us to turn to. But the Bible teaches us in Matthew 15, 30, they brought the lame, the blind, the dumb, and the maimed, and many others and cast them out the feet of Jesus. And He healed them all. They brought that lewd woman in Luke seven thirty seven and verse 50, that lady, that woman of the city, that street walker woman, if you will, she came in and her life was in pieces. But when the Lord got finished with her, her life was in perfect peace with the Lord. All because she got at the feet of Jesus. The legion, that naked man that ran in the mountains and cut himself, that man, that untamed man, that man they would bound with fetters and with chains and bound him. Listen, he was controlled by the devils within him. That legion got at his feet and he got clothed and in his right mind and became an evangelist. He got help. There were several family members, and I went over this about a year ago through the Sunday school teaching, but the family members got at their feet for people. Jairus, the synagogue leader, got at the feet of Jesus in Luke eight forty one for his sick daughter who became his dead daughter, and Jesus brought her back to life. Lazarus, uh, sister Mary was at his feet. By the way, every time you see Mary, Lazarus' sister, Mary of Bethany, every time in Scripture, John eleven thirty two, Luke ten thirty nine, every time you see her in Scripture, she's always at the feet of Jesus. And she got at his feet, and her dead brother came back to life. The Syrophoenician woman got at the feet of Jesus for her devil possessed daughter. That Greek lady, she got help and her daughter got help and got the devil cast out of her. The leper man got at the feet of Jesus in Luke 17 and got cleansed. Are you you seeing what I'm saying tonight? In Matthew 28 verse 5 and 9 and verse 10, there were some ladies that got down at the feet of Jesus and held him by his ankles. And the Bible says, and and they worshipped him there. Then you have that apostle in John chapter 1 verse 13 through 17 and verse 18. He got at the feet of Jesus and fell at his feet, the Bible says, as a dead man. Because he was in the presence and the power and the holiness of God. You see, getting to the feet of Jesus, you know what all this means? You see, what I just told you tonight, this being at the feet of Jesus is a holy place like John experienced. Been at the feet of Jesus, it was an honorable place. Been at the feet of Jesus was a helpful place. Been at the feet of Jesus is a healing place. Being at the feet of Jesus is a humble place. Being at the feet of Jesus is also hearing His Word as Mary did in Luke 10. I'm just saying, you put all this together, 
you can find some direction. You can find some help. You can find some hope at the feet of Jesus. And the reason why Naomi is telling Ruth, the reason why Naomi is telling Ruth, you need to get to the feet of Boaz because you need to humble yourself. You need to be submissive. You need to put yourself there. Put yourself in a place. Put yourself in a position where it would give you the opportunity to find the right way, the right spouse, the right help, the right direction. Ruth, this is going to change your life forever in the good way. And our text tells us she did exactly what Naomi told her to do. You know, if you're here tonight, maybe you, haven't, you can't find your way. If you're here tonight, maybe you're lost. Maybe you're saved and disgruntled and bent out of shape on some things. I'll tell you where you can find the help tonight. I'll tell you where you can find the hope tonight. It's at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ.